Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Galatians chapter 2 tonight. Galatians chapter 2. Freedom's Fight is our message title tonight. And I have a nice little alliterated outline like I normally have. I don't know if we'll get there or not, but I'd like to read the first, really, I'd like to read the entire chapter, but we don't have time to do that, so we're going to read the first 10 verses. And I'm going to let you remain seated tonight, and, but follow along as I read, please. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 1, reading to verse number 10. Allow me to do the reading tonight, please. Just follow along carefully. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem, Paul said, with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. He went up to the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15. We'll get there in a moment. And I went up by revelation. God told him to go up there. And he went up there with, with the revelation of the gospel of Christ and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. Not that he got from the apostles, not that he got from the church of Jerusalem, but that he got from the Lord Jesus, or from God Almighty himself. But privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren, notice false brethren, the word is pseudo-Adelphos, by the way, false brethren, they, people thought they were Christians, but they weren't. They were fakes. And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privately or privily to spout our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that we might that they might bring us in, uh, uh, into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for one hour. We didn't buy into their lies for one second, Paul says, in other words. That the, I underline these phrase, this next phrase in my Bible, verse 5, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Notice verse number 14, it talks about the truth of the gospel if you slide across the page. The truth of the gospel, there's one gospel, Galatians 1. But of these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Paul didn't go to be instructed by the people at Jerusalem. He came to tell them the gospel. He knew the gospel. He was received it by revelation. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, or the gospel of the Jews was committed unto me as the gospel of, or pardon me, as the gospel of uncircumcision to Gentiles, excuse me, which was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision, there's the gospel to the Jews, was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship to the, of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Translation, Peter was the apostle to the Jews, Paul is, of course, the apostle to the Gentiles. And when James, as the half-brother of Jesus, Cephas, as Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, that's pillars of the church, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which also I went forward to do. And 
we'll stop our reading right there. I want to deal with the subject of freedom's fight, verses 4 and 5. If we have text verses, they would be verses 4 and 5. Once again, and because, verse 4, of false brethren. Paul got really upset at these false brethren. So much so, he said, if they preach any other gospel, let them be a curse. Let them be damned by God. That's literally what the Galatians 1, that word, uh, uh, that word accursed is the word anathema. It's the strongest condemnation there is. Paul says, I won't put up with these false brethren, these pseudo-brethren, not one, not one, one millisecond. He said, verse 4, they came in, in stealth. They came in privately or privily to spy out our liberty. Now, Christ, stand fast therefore in the liberty, Galatians 5.1, wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There's a liberty in Christ. And there's liberty in the gospel. The Bible says that they might bring us into bondage, verse 5, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for one hour. Fancy word verbiage for saying we didn't listen to them for one split second did we buy into their, their perversion of the gospel. And it says that the truth of the gospel might be, continue with you. And so our premise tonight here is what I'm trying to say, Elmer Gantry, or excuse me, Elmer, Elmer, Elmer not Elmer Gantry, he's famous too, but Elmer, Elmer Davis, uh, Better News Analysis says, this will remain the land of the free as long as we are uh, it is the home of the brave. Freedom isn't free. And I want to make an analogy tonight with uh, the freedom that we have in America, the greatest country on the face of the earth. We got it thanks to the gospel of Christ. Our forefathers said, no king but King Jesus. We got freedom because uh, we had men that stood up for the said gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We fought a revolution over it. Some things are worth fighting for. The bumper sticker that I've seen once or twice in my life, Peace is Patriotic, it's from a pacifist, I'm sure. The idea that all war is immoral, that's not true. And I'm, but I'm convinced that many Christians believe it's unscriptural to fight for some things. And it's un, this fighting is never right. But Dwight Eisenhower said it this way, I'm so much for peace that I'm willing to go to war over it. Jude 3, let's talk about the gospel. In Jude 3, the Bible says that we should earnestly contend for the, the faith which, which was once delivered to the saints. Some, what, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you today, and this passage before us is telling us the whole chapter, chapter 2 of Galatians. It's, Paul is telling us that you've got to be willing to fight for liberty. You've got to be willing to fight for the truth. Remember what Galatians is, backing up to chapter 1, and just give you, again, a, it's been several weeks since we've been in Galatians, and we're picking up, and I want to refresh your memory. It's the Magna, Far, Magna Carta of Christian liberty. It's the, the hammer of the Reformation, some of it's called Galatians. It's the gospel of uh, evangelical faith, and it's the precursor to the book of Romans, this concise six-chapter treatise of salvation by grace alone through faith plus nothing. And so this book of Christian apologetics for the liberty, Christian liberty in Christ to the believer is synonymous to Patrick Henry's words. Paul's using fighting words in this chapter. As Patrick Henry stood in Virginia and he said, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. 
I'm telling you that the gospel of Christ, and I know we talk about this all the time, but we need to understand this. That we, we take this for granted. If we're not careful. We can lose our liberties that we take for granted in regards to the belief of the, the said gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that salvation is by grace alone through faith and plus nothing. You can't add to you can't pervert it, you can't dilute it, you can't mix up, mix up with it. It's the, the pure gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no alternatives to this gospel. So, I mean, I could start to pick on people. You know, when I was, uh, we don't have much Seventh-day Adventist problem, but we're not Seventh-day Adventist. They have another gospel. I may like, uh, I would have voted for him for president. Uh, I can't get his name out. So the, the, uh, all of a sudden, it just ran a mental blank. The ben Carson, there it is. I like Ben Carson. Ben Carson claims to be a Christian. I'm not so sure if Ben Carson is a Christian. He's Seventh-day Adventist. And I know for a fact that Seventh-day Adventist mixed works with salvation, mixed works with grace. And he's either a foolish Galatian, Galatians chapter 3, or he's a false brethren, pseudo-brethren, as this passage tells us. We need to earnestly contend for the faith. There's no other form of salvation. Go back to one more time or for the fifth time, whatever, chapter 1, and just glance again at verse number 6. Paul He's using fighting words. He says, I marvel, verse 6, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel. I just got called just two hours ago from a dear brother, and I believe he's a dear brother in Christ. Just two hours ago, somebody from the Assembly of God called me. Nice, from Torrington here. I talked for several minutes on the phone with him. I believe he's a brother in Christ. I've, he's been to our church and... Uh, Nice man, and I truly believe he's saved, but I believe he's like one of the foolish Galatians. I know for a fact, let me just give you, just Google this, you or just uh, no longer Google. What else can you do to find things on the web? Not Google, but uh, you can do uh, <laughs> Bing. You just Bing it. Don't, don't Google a Bing it. Bing it now, okay? But you can just Bing this thing and ask for the, the, on the website for the doctrinal statement of the Assembly of God, God Churches of American International. Springfield, Missouri will come up. And tenant number 16, I got it memorized. You check, check me out if you want to. One of the 16 tenants or 18 tenants of the doctrinal statement of the Assembly of God is, number 16 is the belief that you can fall from grace. Now this book obliterates that perversion. You're either saved by grace or you're not saved by grace. It's that simple. Christ is the end of the law to everyone. In fact, turn there. Where do you you find that verse, by the way? Let me just see. I'm talking to an educated crowd. Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believeth. Turn. Okay. I'm not trying to embarrass you. Let's go go there. Let's go to Romans chapter 10 real quickly here. Look, Look at this verse here. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, 4. Who has that? Nice, loud, read that for us, please. And then while you're right there, Marge, why don't you slide over to chapter 11 and look at verse number 6 and read that for us. Make up your mind, Paul is saying. Is salvation by works 
or it's by grace, or maybe it's by a mixture of grace and works. Three postulates. Only one can be true, or maybe none are true, but we know that by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. We know that the, the, the first one that I gave, that we're saved by grace alone. For by grace are you saved through faith. Where is that found at? Ephesians where? Help me out. For by grace, thank you, somebody help me out. Ephesians 2, verse number 8. For by grace, let's quote it together, ready? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he hath saved us. So this idea of mixing works and grace is just as evil and just as, just as ridiculous and perverted as saying that salvation is by works. It's not by works. It's not by sacraments. It's by the sacrifice. Jesus said it is finished. It's not by a little bit of grace and a, a lot of grace and a little bit of works. And so Paul is laying out his treaties, and I, we're not getting a whole lot farther past our introduction tonight probably, but in chapter 14, it says, then 14 years after I went up to Jerusalem. Now, we believe there's a little bit of differentiation between the 14 years of when Paul went up to Jerusalem. If he's referring to when, after he got saved and then 14 years he went to the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, or if, uh, after his three years of, uh, of, uh, of uh, being in the wilderness, it doesn't matter. It's, it's a moot point in one sense, but... 14 years before Paul went back up to Jerusalem to the Jerusalem Council, turn again to Acts 15, and again, all this in way of backdrop. Acts 15, and look at verse number 1 again. Acts 15, 1, this is the long dissertation of the dialogue in the conference that took place at Jerusalem. And it says, Paul, is, in chapter 13 of Acts, he was commissioned, he and Barnabas, to go into uh, from the church at Antioch, a Gentile church, to, on his first missionary journey. He was commissioned by the church. We learned that missionaries are sent out by churches in our missions conference this past week. But the Bible says, in certain men, Acts 15.1, which came down from Judea, now by the way, it says certain men, it doesn't say whether they were pseudo-brethren, but I believe they were, pseudo-Adelphos or pseudo-false brethren or maybe foolish Galatians, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. And we see then Paul and Barnabas, there is no small dissension and disputation with them and, and the whole chapter deals with this lengthy dialogue of what took place in Jerusalem Council. Let's go back if we could now to Chapter number uh, two of Galatians, and let's try to begin here. Our text has to, everything else has been in way of introduction tonight, I guess, in order to lay the groundwork. So I want to give you tonight, I don't know how far we'll get, we'll probably just the first couple of them, but six progressive steps in freedom's fight. Paul is laying out his dissertation here, this fight against, uh, for liberty, really, this give me liberty or give me death, this fight for the pure gospel of Christ. And we see the confrontation, my first C word that I have, of six, verses one and two. 
I already read verse 1, first half of the verse. Uh, he took Paul, Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. Now, how many gospels are there again going back to chapter 1 and verses 6 through 9? How many gospels are there? Two gospels. One. There's not many gospels. By the way, Christ died for the church, and we use that in the church general terminology. We see the local churches, but God never meant to have two churches. And let me just say this now. People wonder why there's all kinds of denominations and all different belief systems. Now, I don't believe that you know, your, your church title has to be have, have the name Baptist in it to be your church that's right with God. I don't believe that for one second. I do understand that, for, by and large, that many Baptist churches, not all, that they're germane, that name is synonymous with people that preach the Bible as the gospel, the, 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 preach the gospel of Christ in its purity and simplicity. Other churches, I've already mentioned the Assembly of God. I can mention the Methodists. I can mention Pentecostal churches. I can mention a whole list of names of other churches. They don't preach a pure salvation. They don't preach a pure, unpolluted gospel. They preach a mixture. And it was never God's intention for there to be the church of Jerusalem with the popery and, and a church that with uh, sacraments and church with, well, except you be circumcised, you can't be saved in a church that's taught otherwise. That's not God's plan. There's one spirit, one body. And so Paul says, no, this is worth fighting for. People say, well, just live and let live. I love my Pentecostal brethren, just to, just to preface here. I love them. I have a disagreement with them. I have a very large disagreement with them if they think salvation is a mixture. I have a huge disagreement with them. And we should. There's, we see here the confrontation. And leaders need to stand up and do what's right and need to confront. And this is what Paul is beginning to confront. He's giving the dissertation. He says, we're going to confront this issue Leaders stand up for the truth. Go over to Galatians chapter 6, and let me buttress this point a little bit. Galatians chapter 6, brethren, verse 1, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Leaders are to look out, and uh, you know, sometimes I have to admit, uh, you know, from a pastoral point of view, I, I don't like confrontation to begin with. I never have liked confrontation, verbal confrontation. I don't know, I'm a peacemaker, not a war maker. But there's sometimes when things need to be confronted, and you need to take action. And Paul, go back to Galatians 2, he needed to confront this false belief system in this this false pseudo-gospel by these pseudo-brethren. So we see the confrontation. We get to verse number 2, we see the consultation. He said in verse 2 again that he, he went up by revelation. It was revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember, back in chapter 1, we won't review the verses, but Paul said, I didn't get the gospel from the apostles. I got it from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Direct revelation. And I just give a personal illustration again. For me, the battle was, and I'm not picking on the Assembly of God. I just I said I just talked to my one of my brothers at the Assembly of God. I believe he's a brother. But uh, for me, that was my battlegrounds as a boy growing up. 
Uh, we went to the Assembly of God Church once in a while. We very seldom went to the Baptist Church, but we had two competing churches, and, and I didn't know what to believe because I didn't know who to believe or who was right and so forth. But when I read the Word of God, I've told the story many times. Uh, one church told me that I could fall from grace and lose my salvation. Another church told me that I could not, that it was all by, sal- by grace alone. When I read the revelation of God over a period of about six months as a 16 or 17-year-old boy, I said, wait a minute. In fact, this chapter right here, we haven't even got to the verses, the latter half of chapter 2, were verses that the light bulb went on for me. I said, that's it. Salvation is all by grace alone. I got it figured out. And when I got that figured out, that was the last day, if you will, that I, I, I quit going to the Assembly of God Church. Nice people, wonderful people, kind, but wrong. I had to draw a line. And I started going to the Baptist Church and, because they preached the gospel. And uh, not trying to be divisive, just being accurate. Paul said, listen, I got this revelation that was communicated unto me by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But then he goes on to say this, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Notice the, the consultation. Paul said, I went privately. Now he's talking about Acts 15, when he went to the Jerusalem council. Some suppose, and I'll do this quickly, there were four actual meetings, say, uh, at the Jerusalem council, a, a, a private meeting, a a public meeting with the public leaders, but a private meeting with the private leaders, and a public meeting with the, with the whole church body, and then a second meeting. And you read that whole lengthy chapter of Acts 15, you see that. When you get a mob, when you get a big crowd, pardon the slang, but loudmouths can sway the conversation one way or another and lead the mob. We see that in our general politics right now going on in our own country. Democracy almost always leads to mobocracy. And Paul said privately, he said, I'm going to men of reputation, men that are first in the scriptures, men that are, are trying to walk with the Lord. I want to talk to them privately lest the spies come in and upset the apple cart and I run in vain. And if possible, there is mature, strong meat for the Christian and there's things left that are for babes. There's a different answer that I give depending on the spirituality of a person. And uh, we don't give the whole, we don't, uh, we have to know who we're talking to. The Bible says in Romans 12, 13, if it be possible, live peacefully with all men. Uh, let me give you just an illustration. If I'm talking to a child, I've used this illustration many times, they ask, uh, how are babies, how are babies come around? I'm going to tell baby, I'm going to tell them, uh, I'm not going to lie to them, but I'm not gonna, they're not ready to handle the strong meat. There's issues with ethnicities. There's issues in strong meat things in the, in the Bible that we could talk about. But in a general conference setting, a general church setting, I, I know. Uh, you got weak babes in Christ, people that don't know. You got to be careful what you say. You know, I'll give you more examples. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Uh, I've been accused of being racist before. I've been accused as a pastor in recent years, I've been accused of being uh, bigoted or, well, let's just use the words of the, the world, you know, homophobic or, or misogynist or whatever, xenophobic, you know, all kinds of names to throw at people when you don't agree with them or you think there's something. None of it's the truth. 
But you've got to know who you're dealing with. And Paul said, I meant privately because I didn't want folks to come in and upset the apple cart again, false brethren creeping unawares that just sought to destroy, privately referring to verse number four. So we see the consultation. Then we see the conflagration, or there's my third C word, not that you're keeping track, but or the contest. So we got the confrontation, the consultation, verse two, the confrontation, verse one, the conflagration or the contest, verses three to five. Let's look at that in a little, little detail tonight here. It says, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek. Now when the church started, let's think about this for a moment. When Peter preached in Pentecost, 3,000 got saved. Who were the, what was the ethnic group of those people that got saved? Help me out. They were all Jews, right? Well, they were. The gospel came, Romans 1. I'm not making this up. You need, by the way, I'm talking to veterans. You should, hopefully you know this by now. The gospel came to the who first. Rhyme there. Who first, Jew first. Okay. <laughs> I'm just having a little fun with you. The gospel came to the Jew first. He came unto his own. You start with your family first, right? And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. We use that verse in this dispensational teaching, John 1, 11 and 12 there too, that he came to the Jews. The Old Testament is all to the Jews, right? I mean, yeah, it was, in case you don't know. But now that we have a New Testament, a new covenant, and it's open to these filthy, uncircumcised, pardon us, slaying, heathens like Titus, a Greek guy. And Titus was just as saved. We have a book in the Bible to Titus. Was he just as saved or only half saved? Paul, Paul was full Jew, so he was, uh, was Paul fully saved and Titus half saved? <laughs> no, of course not. Was Titus a second-rate Christian? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't a. But he didn't have the same ethnicity as. And the same with Timothy. Now Timothy was circumcised, by the way. But he was. He, he later on in life, of course, he was half. We would call in slang terminology. He was half breed, half Jew, half Gentile. But verse number three. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. The implication is that Titus, now Timothy was a classic example. Paul, t- Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8, 13, if me made my brother to offend, I'll even know me while the world standeth. Uh, we don't try to be offensive on purpose. And if we can succumb or we can make somebody pleased, I'll use a silly illustration, but it might get the point across. For 30 years, I've worn ties on Wednesday night. You notice I'm no, no longer wearing ties a lot of times. Sunday nights, I'm relaxing a little bit. Man, the way I grew up, the way uh, my, our, our brand of fundamentalism, and nothing wrong with our brand of fundamentalism, but I almost felt like I was half-dressed if I didn't have a suit and tie on on a Wednesday night. Here I am. I mean, maybe I should have a suit and tie on, this lousy sweater. But anyhow, uh, I, the, the point is, I'm not less spiritual because I don't have a suit and tie on any longer. Titus was, or Timothy, Timothy decided to get circumcised so that he might 
tried to be all things to all men, including the, some Jews that didn't think he was uh, right with God. So he said, okay, I'll go ahead and succumb to it. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and be circumcised. But Titus said, no, I'm not going to be circumcised. Who was right? The answer is, so you say it this way, they were both right. Titus didn't feel led to. Timothy did. And, and it was, it's all good. But Timothy didn't get closer to God because he was and Titus wasn't. Verse number four and five here, and we'll try to make some comments and finish up tonight. And that because of false brethren, again, for the third time, the word is pseudo-adelphos. Pseudo-false. Obviously, Delphos is the Greek word for brother, Philadelphia. Unawares. Now, there are wolves in sheep's clothing, are there not? There are people... And this may be real practical. Let's get this taken care of. There are people, I, I shudder to think that it could be in our own church. I, I, I don't think it is, but it, it could. It, I know there's been times in times past where it probably was definitely the case. I wouldn't want to think today that it, it, this is the case at all, but I could be wrong. Can you look like a Christian, walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian, and not be a Christian? What's the answer to that? Yes, you can be. Are there people, Tony gave the illustration, I think he did it from the pulpit. In fact, I know he did. Gave the story of, uh, or no, I take that back. I think he gave it privately. Did he give a story about a woman that, yeah, that was privately. He gave the story about a woman who came to church. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's coming to me, light, light bulbs going on. He gave an illustration privately. He was talking about a lady that came to his church from a certain college. If I named the name of the college, I think almost everybody in this room would know the name of the college. He and her, she and her husband both graduated from this Bible college that we've had many people behind this pulpit from that very college. And for her whole life, she was taught that she was saved because she prayed a prayer when she was a child. Then she started to doubt it in her 20s and 40s, and her husband said, of course you're saved. You were saved, and your parents said you were saved. Make a long story short, she got saved like at 60 years of age, but for 50 years she'd been going to churches, Baptist churches her whole life, and people, she just naturally, people just assumed she was saved because she'd walk to talk, or walk to walk and talk to talk, but she'd never been born again. She finally came to Tony, Pastor Tony, and said, listen, I, I, I need to be saved. She got saved. And then she had to get baptized. She wanted to get baptized, so she'd been dunked before, but didn't, you know, baptism was after salvation. So there are, the, the whole punchline of verse number four, what I'm trying to say is there are false brethren, some that don't know they're false brethren, some that maybe know and they just are too embarrassed to do anything about it. They came in to spoil our liberty. I'll go back because it's a new, new look for me. A new, and you know, maybe I should wear ties. I just don't like wearing ties anymore. I, I went, I'm getting too old. But uh, I'll still wear them Sunday morning for at least for a while. I don't have any plans on changing. I can't imagine. I never thought I'd change on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, but here I am. But I have liberty. My salvation was never based on the fact that we have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night church. My salvation was never based on the way I dressed. It was your salvation. It had nothing to do with that. And Paul, Paul says, listen, I'm going to make a stand in this. That we be not made, brought into bondage. I've given the illustration of just a certain preacher that will forever remain unnamed, but a certain big-name preacher. We had a star rating in regards to 
great churches, and you got a three-star, you were, you were a super church. And we got three stars. And I never met the guy, and I couldn't figure out why we got three stars, and the church is better and as good as ours, and pastor's better than me. You got two stars. So like, I got three stars. And then I met him, and after I met him, I, I saw in his registry, I went down to two stars. So, so uh, I didn't read many his high qualifications, whatever those were. I don't know what those are, but I'm just as saved when I was a three-star Christian as I am a two-star Christian. I'm, a, I'm still a five-star with God. But uh, anyhow, this, this, oh man, it's almost eight o'clock here. Let's finish up verse five. To whom we gave by subjection, placed by subjection, no, not for one hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Slide over to verse 14 again and look at that for a moment here. It's across my page. But when I saw that they walked not according to the truth of the gospel, there's that phrase again, the truth of the gospel. Paul, we didn't read the verses, verse 11 to 14. He's going to withstand Peter to the face. He's going to say, you're wrong, Pete. I don't care if you're the disciple who walked with Jesus. I don't care if you're the transfiguration. You're wrong. And it leads us to this truth, that good Christians, good, good even pillars of the church can be wrong. And we're, if we're not careful, we can step out of line and pervert the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's a fight that's worth fighting for, the preservation of the gospel of Christ. Well, I didn't get much past the introduction here tonight, but we'll... Lord willing, we'll pick this up again next, next Wednesday. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I believe tonight that, Lord, everyone here, Lord, I believe, first of all, that everyone here is a brother, brother in Christ, a sister in Christ. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's the case, humanly speaking. Lord, if we're not careful, though, we can acquiesce and we can just say, oh, it's not worth fighting for. Some things are not worth contending for and that all fights are... Are, are wicked. Lord, you told us to fight the good fight of faith, so there is a good fight. And Lord, here's a fight we see in the scriptures, Lord, the fight to, for the preservation of the pure gospel of Christ. And you've called us to earnestly contend for the faith. So Lord, we pray for those brethren that, Lord, maybe even in our church body, Lord, that, Lord, could be swayed by false brethren, crept in unawares. Lord, uh, be brought into bondage again. You told us to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where with Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So, Lord, bless your people tonight. Thank you for freedom we have in Christ. Thank you for the joy of our salvation. Lord, may we have this liberty in Christ not to do license, what we, licentiousness, what we want to do, but, Lord, what we should do. May we do it in liberty, and we'll thank you for it. Lord, help us to live for, for, as free men in Christ Jesus, we pray and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing just one verse here tonight here. How about... Uh...